Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is Mark, the fourth chapter that I'm looking at in my Bible. And if you will get a Bible and be turning over to Mark, the fourth chapter, you can just camp right there for the entirety of the lesson. We're just going to work right within the text for these next few minutes, Mark, chapter four. It is great to see everybody this morning. So glad that you are here to our members, to those of you that are guests. We have a lot of guests in attendance today. We really appreciate you coming to be with us this day. I'm excited about today because today, first of all, is the Lord's Day, my absolute favorite day of every week. But today is also the unofficial start of a very special week here at Lakeside. It is the beginning of VBS week here, which means that I get the privilege of kind of kick-starting things, getting things ready and getting us fired up and geared to go for what we're going to be doing for these next several days. And as you can see on the screen behind me, that's actually going to intersect with our preaching theme for this year. We're going to get to spend some time with Jesus. And I think you'll see why that collision is very appropriate this morning. I want to do that today from Mark chapter 4. Read with me if you will. I want to just kind of jump right in the middle of this big text. In Mark chapter 4, read with me in verses 11 and 12. In Mark 4 and verse 11, Jesus said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. You know, I imagine that there are some aspects of being a celebrity that are just very, very difficult. And you might be thinking, Josh, celebrities, come on, what's difficult about their lives? They've got the good life. It'd be great to have all that fame and all that fortune and all the stuff that goes along with that. But have you ever thought about how hard it must be to have genuine and meaningful relationships Whenever you're really, really wealthy or really, really famous. For example, how would you know if someone really likes you for you and not just your fame and your popularity and they want to be around you because they want some of that to rub off on them? Or how would you know if somebody is really interested in spending time with you and they're not really most interested in spending your money? How do you know when someone is a genuine friend and not just some fan or some groupie. That is an issue that celebrities have. And that's an issue that Jesus had. By the fourth chapter of Mark, Jesus is super famous to say the least. People are thronging to see Jesus. Folks coming just from every corner to hear Him and to be around Him, to get a glimpse of Him, to even get something from Him. Hey Jesus, I need a healing. Hey, Jesus, could you do a miracle? Hey, Jesus, could you poof up some loaves and some fishes? Jesus, do this. Jesus, come do that. What's Jesus going to do about all of that? How do you know if people are really interested in you whenever you're super famous? Well, Jesus knew what to do. Jesus knew exactly what to do. Jesus knew how to tell if someone was really interested in the kingdom of God, whether or not somebody really wanted to serve the Lord. And you know how Jesus figured those people out? What Jesus did was Jesus told stories. That's right. Jesus' filtering process, His screening process, involved telling stories. That's what we just read there in verses 11 and 12. Some of the disciples had came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, 
We don't really understand these stories that you're telling. Why are you telling us a story about farming? What in the world is up with that? And Jesus replies in verses 11 and 12 by saying, I'm telling these stories because these stories will sort people out. These stories will make it clear who's really in and who's really only in it for themselves. Welcome this week to the parables of Jesus. For the next three days, we will devote ourselves as a congregation, both young and old, classes for every age, as we devote ourselves to studying some of those great stories, those earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, those stories that Jesus told to sift the believers from the pretenders. In fact, what Jesus is going to show us in Mark the fourth chapter is that how you react to His stories, it says a lot about your ears. And it says even more about the person who is attached to those ears. Are you listening to the master storyteller? This morning, my job is simple, and that is to get us ready. Get us primed to sit at the feet of Jesus for the next few days so that we can learn and we can profit from these greatest stories that were ever told. Let me talk to you from Mark chapter 4 this morning for just a few minutes about the purpose of the parables. And let's see if that might help us deepen our understanding as we get ready to study just three of the parables of Jesus this week. Read with me if you will. Go back to the beginning of the chapter in Mark 4. Look at verse number 1. In Mark 4 and verse 1, again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about Him so that He got into a boat and He sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. This is the setup to the parable of the sower. And as I said at the outset, Jesus is a very popular person at this point in time. So much so that he had to back up off of the land. Sometimes when we have a big house here at Lakeside, folks are concerned as I'm backing up and backing up that I'm going to land into the Lord's. Lynn's always worried about that. I'm going to bump into the emblems on the table and knock the trays off. Well, Jesus had that problem as well. Although he's not backing into a table, he has to actually back into a boat and he has to use the boat as his pulpit to teach to the large crowds that had assembled on that day. And he uses this device of parables to do the teaching. What exactly is a parable? Well, the word itself is actually a transliteration of the Greek word parabole. And that word literally means to throw alongside. To throw alongside. That is, I'm going to take this familiar idea and I'm going to throw an unfamiliar idea alongside it in order to make some comparisons. Somebody would maybe ask, well, well, why did Jesus teach in that way? You know, why didn't He do that? You know, why didn't Jesus just, if He had all kinds of doctrine He wanted people to learn, why didn't He just say it? You know, just come out and just bluntly say, here's the doctrine I want you to know. What's the advantage of teaching in parable? Well, first of all, I'll just say this about parables. Parables attract your interest. And why do they attract your interest? Because it's a story. And stories have that way of just kind of drawing us in. There is intrigue whenever you tell a story. How's this story going to turn out? What's that sower guy doing? Is that lost boy, is he going to be found? Those five girls that were not wise, what's going to happen to them? 
Parables, just by their very nature, they garner interest. Furthermore, I would say, parables avoid controversy. Remember, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they were always just dogging Jesus every step of the way. Always kind of lingering in the background. Always looking for opportunities to try to trip Jesus up. But you know what? When Jesus is doing His teaching and He tells these innocent little stories, well, well, what are they going to find in that? What's there to fuss about when you just tell a simple little story about farming? And then thirdly, I would say this, and probably most importantly in this connection, parables serve to awaken the mind. One writer put it this way, he says, A parable teases a person into active thought. And I love that. I think that's exactly right. Parables tease our minds into working. How are you listening? How deeply are you listening and thinking about what I'm saying? Are you merely willing to hear a little story on the surface that, okay, that's kind of cute and that's kind of nice, and maybe I'd tell that story to my child at bedtime? Or are you willing to actually think about that story? To consider it? Think about the implications of it. Think about the the application of it. Think about what this parable is saying about God, or about Jesus, and even about yourself. You see, parables demand that you use the mind, that you think, that you hear intentionally, and you then respond to Jesus accordingly. And if you don't do that, If you don't engage the mind in the parable, well then here's all you're going to hear. Verse 3. Listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want you to notice that Jesus begins and ends the parable with hearing. When Jesus says in verse 3, listen... I want you to understand that that's not Jesus' way of getting the crowds to quiet down because they were all talking and chattering. That's not what that is. When Jesus says, listen here, this is like when a parent says to their child, listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying is important. I want you to think about what I'm telling you right now. And that's exactly how Jesus ends the parable when He says there in verse 9, do you have ears to hear? Well, of course, everybody there would have had ears to hear. What Jesus wants to know is, are you really hearing what I'm saying to you? And of course, when you are listening and really hearing it, then you're probably going to hear some things in that story that's going to make you go, whoa, what's up with that? Like, for example, in verse 8, the harvests that are mentioned there in verse 8, those are huge harvests. You know, most farmers in that day, they would have been thrilled with merely a, a produce of, you know, fourfold or fivefold. Nobody got thirtyfold or sixtyfold, let alone a hundredfold. That's a huge harvest. That's the kind of thing that would make you go, whoa, what's that about? That would generate some questions. And indeed, that's what happens next. Look in verse 10. When Jesus was alone, those around him with the twelve, 
asked him about the parable. Would you please notice here? I think it's implied. Would you please notice that some of the people who had been in that big giant crowd, some of those folks were obviously satisfied with merely hearing a quaint little story about agriculture, and then they went home. They heard some things, but they didn't really listen, did they? They didn't think deeply about that and say, hmm, you know, there's got to be more to this story than just a farmer and some seeds and some soil and it's just kind of a, you know, folksy little kinds of story. No, that's not what they did. There were obviously a lot of folks who heard a mundane little story about agriculture and they went home. But you know what? There were others, verse 10 says, who stuck around. Those who went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is that story about? I know that you're not just telling us stories like a bedtime kind of story. I know there's got to be some deeper meaning to that story. Jesus, what does that parable mean? Verse 11, Jesus responds. He says, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. You know, it's real easy for us to kind of sit back and shake our heads and say, come on, guys. The parable of the sower? Duh! Everybody knows what the parable of the sower is about. It's not that hard to figure out. And of course, we say that now because we have the benefit of hindsight. We're able to think back because, well, because we know everything about Jesus. We know all the stuff about Jesus and about His mission and why He came and the things that He taught. We have the backdrop of all of that information, but these people... These people didn't have all of that information yet. They didn't know everything yet about Jesus and about the kingdom. They're still trying to figure it all out. That's why when Jesus says in verse 11 and 12 about the secret of the kingdom and about seeing but not perceiving and about hearing but not understanding lest they should turn and be forgiven, that's one of those statements that kind of causes us to go, whoa, what Jesus, did you really just mean to say that? Not see, not understand, not be forgiven, Jesus? I thought you came in order to explain the kingdom of God to people. Jesus, I thought you came to help people understand and grasp God's great plan. Jesus, I thought you came to forgive people so that they could be in the kingdom. And now you're saying, eh, I don't really want people to get it. That passage bothers people. It bothers people a lot. So much so that some scholars have actually tried to retranslate verse 12 so that it doesn't say what it says. But it says what it says. In fact, it is a direct quotation from Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10. And what Jesus is saying here in a very matter-of-fact, direct sort of way is that there are some people who are just not going to get it because not everybody wants to get it. Not everybody wants to dig and search and discover the secrets of the kingdom of God. And you might be asking, talking about secrets here, what is the secret? What is the secret of the kingdom? Your translation might say the mystery of the kingdom. What is that mystery? What is that secret in a word? Jesus is the secret. He is the secret. Jesus will say repeatedly throughout His work, I am the Messiah. I am the King. And I am here bringing the kingdom of God into this world. 
When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, I want you to understand He's not talking about some esoteric institution. He's not talking about some giant denominational structure. No, when He talks about the kingdom, He's talking about the reign and rule of the King in people's hearts and in people's lives. Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, that is the secret. And the fact of the matter is, there are a lot of people who just don't want to hear that. There are a lot of people who are not really interested in that. They may be interested in that in kind of a superficial sort of way. The kind of way that would cause them maybe for a few minutes on a Sunday morning to get dressed up and to come to church and pay a little homage to Jesus. But that's really about the extent of it. There are people like that. And in fact, there were people just like that in Jesus' day. These were the people who said, Jesus, no, 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 no. I don't think that you are the secret of the kingdom. Jesus, you don't do it how we want it done. Jesus, you're not exactly what we were looking for. You don't really fit the profile. Jesus, we were expecting something different, someone different. Those kinds of people, they saw, but they did not perceive. And literally, think about that, they literally saw Jesus with their eyeballs, but they didn't realize what they were looking at. They heard. They heard the great teachings of their Lord falling directly on their ears and yet they didn't understand. And as a result, Jesus says, they're not going to turn to Me and they're not going to be forgiven. Jesus is the secret. Jesus is really the key, not just to this parable, but Jesus is the key to all of the parables. In fact, that's what Jesus says next. Look at verse 13. Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? You see, all of the parables are to be read through the lens of Jesus Christ. All of the parables are to be understood through Jesus, through the Savior, through the Messiah, through the King, through what Jesus is doing. And I want you to understand that when Jesus says there in verse 12, that there's going to be folks who are not going to understand and they're not going to turn and they're not going to be forgiven. That doesn't mean that these are people who, you know, they're just never going to have the chance and they're never going to have the possibility to ever be saved. No. That if somebody were to maybe come to Jesus and say, please, Jesus, please, we're begging you, please tell us the secret of the kingdom. We want to know. We genuinely want to know. Jesus would look at them and say, nah. You had your chance. Too bad for you. I'm moving on to somebody else now. No, that's not what that's talking about. What it does mean, though, is that there were people, just as there are people today, who were not really and truly serious about the kingdom. And as a result, those people would forfeit their opportunity to be further instructed concerning the kingdom of God. Now, that's kind of the negative side. Let me tell you about the positive side. Because on the positive side, there were people who came to Jesus. And they asked questions. And they really did want to get it. And you know what? When you come to Jesus and you want to get it, you will. Jesus will give it to you. When you are sincere, when you have a good and honest heart, when you ask questions, when you are searching and hungering for righteousness, you're thirsting for that, Jesus will fill that hunger. Jesus will fill that desire. To the diligent seeker, to the careful and thoughtful listener, the truth of the kingdom will be revealed in a powerful kind of way. And that's actually what happens next. Beginning in verse 14, these people who really did want to know, who wanted to get it, they got it and Jesus gave it to them. Verse 14, 
Jesus said, the sower sows the Word. That's what the seed is. The seed is the Word of God. And these are the ones along the path where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the Word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the Word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves. And so they endure for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. And they are those who hear the Word. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enters in and chokes the Word and it proves unfruitful. But, verse 20, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the Word, accept it, bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, some a hundredfold. Now obviously an entire sermon could be preached just on this parable alone. I've preached on this parable at least a couple of different times. And Lord willing, tomorrow night, all of our classes will be studying on this particular parable, and Brother Landon Rudder from Lexington will be here to speak to the adults about this parable specifically. So I'm going to have to kind of keep my comments brief here this morning. The parable of the sower is simply about how people react and how people receive the Word of God. What happens whenever the Word encounters a person's heart? For some people, verse 15 says, nothing happens. The Word just kind of bounces off of them just like Teflon and it makes no impression at all. For other people, verse 16, the Word gets in and it starts, but it doesn't last. But then other people, verse 18, it starts, seems to be going well, sprouts a little bit, but but then thorns enter the picture. It chokes it. The cares of the world, the desires for riches, the things of this life interfere and get in the way. But then verse 20 says... Good soil. Good hearts. The Word gets in there. and It ends up bearing fruit to the glory of the Master. Now, this is simply what I want to say about the parable this morning. And we'll hear more about that tomorrow night. But here's what I want to say this morning. You and I cannot sit here and read those verses, verses 14 through 20. And we hear Jesus explain the parable. We cannot hear Jesus tell that and then not sit here and ask ourselves... Where am I in this story? We cannot do, we cannot leave here today without asking, which soil am I? In my heart, what kind of soil is best described there? Right now, let me ask, right now, is the Word of God making a dent? Is it making an impression in your heart? Or, are you maybe somebody who you're here simply because somebody dragged you here? And you really don't want to be here today? And you're kind of mad about that? And quite frankly, you couldn't care less about what I'm up here saying and jabbering on about. Or is it maybe that you're the kind of person who, okay, yeah, you're, you're thinking about God's Word a little bit, but it's not really translating because you haven't yet put roots down into Jesus Christ. There's some thinking, there's some hearing, but it isn't translating into action. Or maybe it is, maybe you're here, maybe you're nodding along with the sermon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree with that, I'm all good with all of that, but maybe... Maybe that's just very routine. You're not really listening. Instead, you're, you're thinking about other stuff. You're thinking about work tomorrow. You're thinking about lunch this afternoon. You're thinking about any number of things, the cares of this world. What type of soil are you? Jesus is just driving the listener here, isn't He? 
It's all about listening. It's all about hearing. You asked for more, verse 10. I'm going to give you more. Where are you in this parable? Jesus, Jesus makes us choose. Jesus forces us to make a decision. But He didn't stop there. Jesus wants to see if these people really want to get it. Do you really, really want to get it? Let's see if you'll stick around for more. Because not only does Jesus tell the parable of the sower, but then He stacks on top of that not one, not two, but three more parables. Verse 21, Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Once again, it's about listening, isn't it? Are you listening? Jesus says, I'm telling some secrets here. And the secret of the kingdom is not designed to be kept a secret. You don't put a lamp under a basket. That would be dumb. It's going to catch the basket on fire. That's just a stupid thing to do. Don't do that. You need to let the light shine. The light needs to get out there. And the secret of the kingdom is that same way. It's meant to be noised abroad. Everybody needs to know this secret. In fact, I want you to understand, Jesus isn't merely talking about a lamp. He's talking about the lamp. And in verse 21... When Jesus says there that the lamp is brought, you should know that the actual rendering of that verb there, it should actually be come. Does the lamp come to be put under a basket? Now, I will tell you, there are times where I'm in the dark and I really could use a lamp to just come to me. Like, get over here, lamp, get over here. I need some help. I need some light over here. That'd be really great, but unfortunately... We haven't quite developed and mastered the technology for that yet. That's not the way lamps work. Lamps and light, it's it's brought. Which is why it's translated that way. But you know what? When you read the parable through the lens of Jesus, He is the lamp, isn't He? And the lamp has come. Jesus says the kingdom is a secret. But this secret cannot be hidden. It will not be hidden. He is the light of the world. He is the King. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 21. He then said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The king's message is meant to be made known. But how much you know that message, it really depends, it really depends upon you. What kind of ears do you have? How are you listening? I love how one translation renders verse 24. I think it's the New Living Translation. It renders it this way. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. Verse 25. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus just keeps pounding away. Are you listening? Are you really listening? Of course, we read these verses and the applications here are just just numerous. I can't help but ask about 
about your daily personal Bible reading. You are reading the Bible personally on an individual level, I hope, each day. When we do that daily Bible reading, are we doing that just to be going through the motions of, okay, I checked off Bible reading for the day? Or am I thinking deeply about what I'm reading? Richly about the things that I've read? When I'm sitting in Bible class, am I there just to kind of occupy a space? And I'm just kind of filling out all the answers in the workbook to make sure I got that done? Is that my definition of studying the Bible? Or am I really pondering upon that? And I'm interacting with the Word of God. If it's a Bible class setting with those, am I asking questions and participating in that? When the preacher is standing up in the pulpit and he's delivering the sermon, am I sitting there thinking about how this sermon applies to everybody else? Or am I thinking about how this sermon and how God's Word, it applies to me and how I need to make application in my life and be conformed to the teaching of the Scriptures? If you are the former, then Jesus says what little you do have, you're going to lose it. But if you are the latter, Jesus says you, the diligent searcher, the diligent seeker, you're going to get even more. Verse 26 now. Jesus said to them, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This parable is found only in Mark's gospel. And it describes how things grow oftentimes without us even realizing that it's growing. The farmer really can't do anything to make the seed grow. The farmer can't go out and look at the ground and start shouting at the seed, Hey! Come up! Come on! He can't give it a lecture. He can't do a PowerPoint presentation to show that seed how you can grow a lot faster. No! That growth, it happens by itself. The power is where? The power is in the seed. And what's the seed? The seed is the Word of God. By the way, there in verse 28, where it says that the earth produces by itself, that's the Greek word automate, which is where we get our English word automatic. You see, it happens automatically. It happens on its own. Because the power is not in the person that's doing the speaking of the Word. The power is in the Word itself. And where we are, whenever the harvest comes, verse 29, that's going to depend on whether or not we have really listened to the Word. In fact, it's probably at this point, somebody in Jesus' audience probably was thinking to themselves, well, I still really know about all of this. You know that the kingdom of God is is basically, the secret of the kingdom is, is this guy from Galilee from very meager and humble beginnings, and these twelve guys that are following after him, that's the kingdom? And I thought the kingdom of God would be a whole lot greater and grander than this. Well then, Jesus says, let me tell you another story. Verse 30, Jesus said to them, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all of the garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Parable of the mustard seed. This was such an incredible story for him to tell. Because the mustard seed was proverbial in Jewish thinking as being just just small. 
insignificant, doesn't really amount to, it's smaller than even the head of a pen. And so here's something that from the looks of it doesn't look very big. It's not ostentatious. It doesn't come with lots of trumpets and fanfare and white stallions and big armies and power as men measure it. But Jesus says, if you'll stick around, you'll see. You'll see what the kingdom of God is going to become. Right now, it doesn't look like much. But one of these days, it's going to be enormous in its scope. What is starting so small will be so great and so grand. In fact, you just stop and think about it right now. Think about the size, at least as best you can. Think about the size and the scope of God's kingdom all across this whole earth. Now stop and think about that kingdom, that empire, Rome, that was reigning in the time of Jesus when He spoke these words. Which one of those two kingdoms is still standing? Which one of those two kingdoms is still thriving and growing more and more each day? Bigger, mightier, stronger with each passing moment. The seed produces great works when it's found in the right hearts. So then we're told, verse 33, with many such parables, He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to His own disciples, He explained everything. Jesus' parables served really a great many purposes for His audience then, And they still serve many of those same purposes for audiences today. But can I summarize really all of this that we've read here in Mark chapter 4 with one final, very piercing truth about parables? If it is true, and I believe it is, if it's true that parables conceal the truth from people who don't want to get it, and if it is true that parables reveal the truth, to people who really do want to get it, then what that means then, is that means that parables, they serve to separate the willful from the willing. And Jesus had both of those kinds of people in His audience in verse 1. Had a big audience. Lots of willful people. Lots of willing people. But by the time He got done speaking in parables, the only ones who remained, The only ones who were still there by His side were the willing. Because the willful, they didn't really want to see. They didn't really want to understand. They didn't want to actually do the work to get in there and find out about Jesus. Their interest in Jesus was merely outward and it was superficial. You know what that means for us? That means that right now, this is a very line in the sand sort of moment. Which side are you on? Are you on the side of the willful? Or are you on the side of the willing? Please don't fool yourself into thinking, well, well Josh, duh, I, I came to church today. I'm here, aren't I? Big deal. Big deal. There were lots of people, lots of fans that Jesus had, who, yes, they would come out when He would come to town, and they would want to see Him, and they'd want to hear some of the things that He said. But it was only the willing the ones who had the want to, their wanter was set in the right direction. The ones who really listened intently. The ones who wanted that seed that was planted in their heart, they wanted it to grow. They wanted it to thrive. and They wanted it to bear fruit. Only they were able to understand the great mysteries of the kingdom of God. 
And it is only the willing today who will enjoy the blessing of a deep and rich and meaningful walk with Jesus Christ. You know, I am certain that for the next three nights, we as a congregation, we will all come into this building, young, old, everybody in between. We're all going to come into this building with our own proverbial buckets. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's going to bring their buckets. And the size of your bucket, it really is going to depend upon your attitude, and upon your interest, and upon your willingness to hear Jesus. And I am fearful that there might be some who are going to come here this week, and you're going to bring just a little teeny tiny little bucket. And as a result of bringing in your teeny tiny little bucket, you're not going to get much out of the teaching of the parables of Jesus. But there are others I am convinced as well. You're going to come with a big old bucket. You're going to come and you're going to hope that Jesus is going to fill that bucket. And guess what? Jesus is going to fill that bucket. In fact, it's going to overflow. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And why is that? Because you want it. You want the secret. You want Him. And as a result, you will be blessed. Where are you this morning? Are you willful? Or are you willing? A lot of that depends upon how you hear. You might be sitting here this morning, you might be thinking, well, Josh, yeah, I, I hear. I hear all the time. I'm here every Sunday. hear all the sermons. hear all the invitations. hear all the teachers in the Bible class. I hear lots of stuff. Well, guess what? If you're not a Christian and you're of an age of accountability, you're not really listening. You're hearing some stuff. Yes, physically it's going into your ear hole and some things are happening there, but it's not really translating into doing. That's who the real hearers are, are the ones who hear and then act. Can we help you this morning to hear and act? To be a willing, submissive servant of Jesus Christ. All things are ready this morning for you to become a Christian. If you do believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, He came to this earth and not only did He tell a bunch of great stories, but most importantly, He died on the cross of Calvary for your sins so that you could be forgiven. Do you believe that? Are you willing to confess that with your lips? Are you willing and ready to repent and turn away from sin and turn to Him and then be baptized in water for the remission of your sins? Said, All things are ready. That can happen in just a relatively short amount of time, just a few minutes. If you are a Christian, it may be that somewhere along the way your ears got clogged up. You're not listening to Jesus as you ought. Then brother or sister, get the wax out of your ears. Whatever it is that's hindering you from being a true diligent seeker of Christ. Let's repent of that. Let's get back to serving Lord in a better way from this day forward. Whatever your need might be, we stand ready to assist you. You simply need to make it known. Do that right now while we stand and while we sing.